0: Have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good to see you guys here this morning. It's good to be with you. Um, I want to be honest as I'm getting started this morning, it has been a week for me. Um, It's been kind of a rough week. Just had a lot emotionally, mentally, um, not just me, but stuff going on with kiddos. We've had sick kiddos. We've had stuff going on at school. And stuff has just felt heavy Um, toward the end of the week. I came in on Thursday to actually write the message for today, and my computer wouldn't work. Like, nothing. I had no mouse, I had no keyboard, so I couldn't even get into settings or anything. Um, Judd and Allie came in my office to pray with me, and Allie's like, do you want me to put lay hands on your computer? I'm like, yes, lay your hands on my computer, and so she did, and we prayed over my computer. It didn't work, but, I mean, we prayed over it. and then two nights ago, I, I normally don't have, like, nightmares about being up here. I mean, I don't enjoy it, but I don't have, like, nightmares about it. Um, I had a dream two nights ago that I was thinking, okay, it's Memorial Weekend. There's probably going to be less people there. I get here, like, literally, like, 30 of you are here. And... I'm looking out. I'm like, oh, it's okay. We've got 30 people. Um, But then I had like music playing in my ears. I had some sort of earbuds going on. So I'm like talking to the sound booth. Guys, can you turn off the music in my ears? And they're yelling at me. There is no music in your ears. Okay. And I was like, okay. Um, So I'm trying to talk. And then all of a sudden, like by the group full, like 10 at a time, would just like get up and walk out. And I was like, okay. And then people would come back in and yeah, so I talked to Judy Spohr this morning. She said if she sees anybody try to get up, she's going to be like, um, no, this is not the time. Just sit down. <laughs> so you guys are in it with me this morning. But I, I share this with you because I've just had it on my heart that maybe somebody in here this morning is walking in like I am. Just with, it's, it's just been a week, and you can't really maybe even describe why. But I want you to know that I've been praying for you. We prayed for you as a team this morning, and I'm just hoping that the Lord moves for both of us, so... Yeah, that's where we are. We are um, in a series called Kingdom Hospitality, and we have been since Easter. And when we first got into this series, I was thinking a lot about just what I think hospitality is. So being generous, being open, being welcoming, serving other people, like that's what was going through my head. And I was kind of hard on myself at the beginning of this series because I thought, man, I have gotten really bad at this the last couple of years. My husband, Russ, and I used to invite people into our home a lot. I mean, we would host small groups lots of kids in our house, teens, things like that. For whatever reason, the last couple years, we've just gotten bad at this. And I could blame it on a lot of things. I could blame it on the age of my kids and just being busier, you know, having lots of places to go. I could blame it on my perfectionist personality and wanting to have my home in order and clean and those kinds of things before I invite people in. I could blame it on COVID because we blame everything on COVID. But like during that season, it was very bad. I mean, COVID was terrible, but for our family, for our little unit, being in lockdown together in our home was actually pretty sweet. Um, we grew really close together as a family, and so I don't know if I have like a bubble over my home now. You know, just that was our sa- that was our sanctuary, that was our safe haven. Um, so I don't know what it is. Um, But since we've been going through this series and we're looking at kingdom hospitality, which if you've been here with us, you know is different. There are just so many different aspects to hospitality that Jesus showed people in the stories we've been looking at. Um, So it's been really good for me to go through this series to know that, yes, those things are important, serving people, having people in your home, but there's many more ways that we can look at hospitality. So we're going to continue with that today. Uh, We're going to look at another story where Jesus just offers unique hospitality. It's They're things that we probably wouldn't normally consider hospitality, but Jesus offers them in the story that we're talking about today. Um, But before we get into the passage, I wanna try something a little different. And I'm not gonna make you talk to each other or anything like that. Um, But I think it's really important today for us to just really enter into this story. And sometimes, if you're like me, if you're coming in from a hot mess of a week, it's kind of hard to connect with the story that is being shared. And it makes it harder for us to hear maybe what the Lord is saying to us in that story. So in a couple of seconds, in a couple of minutes, I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes. And I do that because I think visually we can get distracted really easy. Um, we have kids in here with us this morning, which is awesome, but I mean, you've got lights, you've got protection, all these different things going on. And sometimes when we close our eyes, our other senses are heightened. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I'm going to tell you a story. And what I want you to do is try to put yourself in the story that you're hearing. So try to see the sights, try to smell the smells, hear the sounds, all the things, okay? So go ahead and close your eyes. Stick with me, try not to fall asleep, okay? I want you to think of somebody in your life who you love very much, I'm going to keep giving you descriptions of this person so the person may actually change as we go on, and that's okay. I want to get you to the right person for this situation. So it's somebody who you love very much. Somebody you trust. Someone who has taught you many things. Somebody who is wise. They're kind of that first person you go to if you have a question about something. Somebody who brings peace to chaotic situations in your life. Somebody who pushes you to be a better version of yourself. Somebody who's just inherently good. Okay, I'm hoping you have that person. I just want you to look at that person in your mind. And now I want you to imagine that other people are coming around them. And they are saying horrible things to them about them. Things that are untrue. And then those people start to get physical with your person. They start to beat them. They are spitting on them. They are ripping their clothes. And eventually that person is taken from you in a very brutal way. And that's as far as I'm going to say that just because we have kiddos in here, but they're gone. They're taken from you in a brutal way. So I just want you to think about how you're feeling in that moment. Now I want you to picture yourself in your home or a place where you feel safe. Your doors are locked. Your windows are closed. Your your shades are drawn. What are you feeling? Are you afraid? Are you angry? Are you afraid that maybe you're next? Then all of a sudden in the room you hear the person's voice. They're talking to you and standing right there with you now, how are you feeling? Are you, are you shocked? Are you in disbelief? Are you happy? What are you feeling? Okay, now open your eyes. You may have recognized this story as we've been going through this, maybe not, um, but this is an actual true story. Uh, that the disciples went through, and that's where we're going today. That's the passage we are looking at. So we are in John chapter 20. We're going to look at five verses, and we're going to put them up here on the screen for you. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So this is the day that Jesus has rose from the dead. So his disciples have seen him being beat and made fun of and tortured and... This is the morning that he rose from the dead. So he has appeared to Mary Magdalene that morning. This is the evening that same day when his disciples are in a room, doors locked, and all of a sudden he's there. So their friend, their teacher, their mentor, Jesus, is back. He's alive, and they are overjoyed. So I want to I make note of just a couple things that stood out to me right away when I read this. The first thing was that the doors were locked. So Jesus didn't knock. They didn't let him in. He didn't have a key to get in, and he was just in the room. And he wasn't a ghost. If you look at this account in the book of Luke, Jesus actually says, a spirit does not have flesh and bones like I have. And then he asked them for something to eat. And he ate in front of them. And it wasn't one of those things, like one of those cartoons where the ghost is eating and it's like flying through their body, and you can see it. He was an actual, real person with a physical body. And I was reading an article um, by John Piper. He's a theologian. If you've ever... Um, seen the Desiring God website, Um, sometimes when you will do a Google search on faith or the Bible or something, articles from Desiring God will pop up because they have a lot of blog articles. But he actually wrote about this passage, specifically about the doors being locked in the room Um, and just at the fact of how real Jesus is. And we don't get to see Jesus face to face like they did in that moment. So sometimes it's hard to remember how real and how present he actually is. So I wanna share this quote from him with you because when I read it, it just, it really caught my attention. Um, It says, today in your life, Jesus can go where no one else can go. He can go where no counselor can go. He can go where no doctor can go. He can go where no lover can go. He can reach you and reach into you anywhere, anytime. There's no place where you are. No depths of personhood that you are which Jesus can't penetrate. And I read that and I was just like, whoa, sometimes you just forget how present he can be and in an instant how he can be right with you. So that was the first thing I noticed, the doors being locked. Second thing, the disciples were terrified. Um, Sometimes I put the disciples on a different level than us. They were able to walk so closely with Jesus. So sometimes I look at them as kind of being superhuman, but they were afraid. Um, Jesus had died because he was a threat to Caesar. So he was a threat to the government. So they were very valid in their fear of feeling like they might be next. So I started thinking, when do I cry out to Jesus the most? Um, Do I always acknowledge him in the good times or the happy times, or is it when I'm afraid? It's in times of fear for me, and I don't know if that's the same for you, but, um, you know, a diagnosis or a relationship conflict, um, a loss, something with your job, um, those are the times, I think, when we tend to reach out and cry out to Jesus. And the third thing I notice is that Jesus just showed up. Uh, what I love about this passage is that it's very clear that Jesus didn't wait until the disciples had it all together. He didn't wait till they had gotten over their fear. He didn't wait till they were getting ready to go out on their mission like they were supposed to go. He came in the midst of their fear. He came to restore their faith so they could move past that fear, and I love that. Um, Jesus could have said anything to them at that moment. Um, He could have done anything. Um, So how does he respond to them? I think there's three things that he does. And... I think this is the kingdom hospitality part of this. This is where he's offering kingdom hospitality for them. The first one is he gave them peace. The second, he gave them purpose or a mission. He gave them something to do, something to look toward. And third, he gave them power from the Holy Spirit. So the more I dove into this passage, I read this before, lots of times before, but the more I dove into it this time, the more I fell in love with Jesus. Um, His heart for his friends, his heart for us, the way that he knew exactly what they were going to need in that moment, when they were grieving, when they were sad, when they were scared, when they didn't know what to do. Um, So I want to take just a second and let's look at what the opposite of those things are. What are the opposite of peace, purpose, and power? Well, the opposite of peace is conflict and chaos right? The opposite of having a purpose or feeling like you have a purpose is uselessness or hopelessness. And the opposite of power is weakness. So how many people in your life, or maybe this has happened for you, how many people have you seen whose lives are ruined because of one of those things? Conflict, chaos, feeling like they have no purpose, feeling like they're weak, they have no power. Jesus came and died so that we wouldn't have to feel those things. He wanted us to feel seen and heard, and loved. He wanted to give us strength. So I want to take this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into each of these three areas of peace, purpose, and power, because of course Jesus knew the exact things they needed in that moment. Of course he did, Um, and of course he was intentional about it. I've never noticed that in this passage before, so I just want to share with you um, kind of what I unpacked as I was diving into this this week. So we're going to start with peace. Um, I think it's important to recognize the order that Jesus offered these. He didn't start with his disciples and say, okay, guys, here's what you're going to do. This is what I need you to do. I'm leaving again. We need you to get to work. He didn't do that. He started with peace. Um, Is anybody a Chosen fan? Anybody out there watch The Chosen? Yay. Okay. So you would know if you watch that that back in those days, they said peace to each other a lot. That was their greeting. Anybody know what the word is? Shalom, right? Shalom, shalom, shalom. They're always saying it to each other. Shabbat shalom. Um, so I think at first glance in this passage, you might think that Jesus is just doing a normal greeting, like "Hey guys, what's up?" Right? But I think it's more than that for a couple reasons. First of all, because he says it twice just in these five verses, and then a couple verses later, which we're not going to get to, he says it again to them. Peace be with you. I also also think it's important to see what jesus said to his disciples right before he died so we're going to back up just a couple of chapters a few chapters and see what jesus said to his disciples so in john fourteen twenty seven, jesus says peace i leave with you my peace i give you i do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid and then a couple chapters later in John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you, have, you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So he's telling them, have peace. I'm giving you peace. Take my peace. And then the first thing he says to them when he sees them is, peace be with you. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, um, peace is one of those things that is such a gift in our life, especially when we're going through something incredibly difficult. Um, When we're going through a really hard season, there's something about his perfect peace that just changes everything. We're able to go through things that we never thought we could before. I've talked to so many different people in different um, stages of life where they're going through something really hard, like a really hard loss or a really hard diagnosis. And they say, "I I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know why I have this peace, but I'm just at peace. And that's the perfect peace of God. That's the gift they are receiving in that moment. I am um, one of those people who, uh, I'm a warrior by nature. That's just who I am. And I will actually mess with my brain enough to like, give myself the worst case scenario and just freak myself out about stuff. That's just that's just the way I process. Um, and I remember a few years ago when my husband, Russ, first started traveling with work, I hated it. I hated when he, leave, when he would leave because mainly he's just a super, I mean he's a good partner. I mean, I don't want to, like, toot his horn because I'll pay for this later, but like, he's just a really good partner. He's not, I mean, he's one of those guys that will do the guy stuff. Like, he'll mow the lawn, take out the trash, but he's also really good about partnering and other things with me. Like, if we have a sick kid, he will take a day off so that I can go to work, or um, he'll do the dishes on occasion. He'll, he cooks for us. He does all our meals, which is a huge blessing. Um, If I'm super desperate and I appear really annoyed, he'll do the laundry. Um, But I still think he still does it wrong on purpose. I know it because, like, he hates laundry. Um, But he will help in those kinds of situations. So when he's gone, it's just hard. And it's gotten easier as our kids have gotten older. But I remember several years ago, it was over Christmas break, and he was supposed to be leaving to go to Chicago for a few days. So I was going to have all the kids home from school for the whole Christmas break. And the night before he left, one of our kids got the stomach flu, and it was, like, it was bad stomach flu. And I don't want to give you details because it's so gory, but, like, both ends, not hitting a toilet, not hitting a bucket, none of it. And so it was one of those moments, like, when we were in the bathroom, and we had to take turns stepping out of the bathroom because we just had to catch our breath and, like, refocus before we could go in and take care of the mess that we had going on. So we were destined to get sick because we were touching, you know, substances, and we, we just knew we were going to get sick. So I started praying because I was freaking out. And it, I was praying the unrealistic, just, God, don't let any of us get sick. None of us. But I was also praying, okay, but God, if we do get sick, if this does happen, would you just send your peace to our home? Just have your peace fall in our house. So Russ left the next day, and he was about halfway to Chicago, and it hit him pretty bad. And to this day, he won't eat pistachios or dark chocolate because that's what he was eating on the way out there. Like, just the thought of it. I said something about it this morning. He was like, oh, he can't, just can't even think about it. Um, It hit me the next day maybe or two days later. I don't remember. But so my worst case scenario was me going down because then I couldn't care. I felt like I couldn't care for my kids. And our littles were still really little at the time. And so I'm back and forth to the bathroom, and I one of the times I'm in bed, I look over and I see Claire in the door, and she's little, like she was in elementary school, and she kind of peeks her head in the corner, and she's like, Mama, you okay? She was terrified of getting it because she hates throwing up, so she didn't want to come in the room, but she wanted to check on me. And I just remember in that moment just thanking God. I was like, you know what, God, you are so good. She watched my kids. She played with them. She brought me peanut butter toast with like a little heart carved out with a knife. She was just, bless her heart. She just took care of me. And I remember, I still remember so clearly how good God was. In my worst case scenario, his perfect peace fell on our home. And I couldn't have created that. I couldn't have gotten myself to that. So Jesus knew his disciples needed that perfect peace before he could give them the next thing that he had for them, which was purpose. Um, I think we all need a sense of purpose, right? We all need something that gets us up every morning, gets us out of bed. And I think purpose looks different for everybody. It probably depends on where you grew up, uh, your community, your family, you know, things that were important to you. A lot of times it has to do with being married and having kids. Sometimes it's achieving certain things in your job. Sometimes it's um, community standing. It, It can be all sorts of different things. But what these social scientists are saying is the reason it's such a big deal to find your purpose They they say it could even be more important than happiness in your life, actually, because it affects your health. They say it can affect your physical and mental health. It reduces the risk of chronic disease. Um, It helps you live longer if you have a purpose, because you are connecting with other people. You feel like you have a reason to exist. Um, It keeps you from isolation and loneliness, which those things can lead to anxiety, depression, low motivation, um, low energy levels, things like that. So what does Jesus give his friends? He gave them purpose. He gave them something to do. He knew they were going to miss him when he was gone, and he knew they needed something to keep them going, to keep them moving forward. So Jesus turns to his disciples, and in a sense, he's turning to us, and he says, I've got a purpose for you. And this purpose is so big and so great that it's actually in line with his purpose. As the Father sent me, I am now sending you. So Jesus, who has risen from the dead, tells us that our lives have purpose, Our lives matter. Your life matters. He has strategically placed people in your life that you're supposed to lead to Jesus. You're supposed to be a missionary for people in your life. That's your purpose. Do you know who those people are? If you don't, have you ever prayed that God would show you who those people are that you're supposed to be leading to Jesus? Or if you do know who they are, are you doing anything about it? That's something to think about. Um, You may... Say, well, I don't know. I don't have what it takes. I'm not smart enough. I don't know the Bible well enough. People won't listen to me, even if I do talk to them. So what did Jesus give them next? What does he give us next? It says, with that, he breathed on them and gave them the Holy Spirit. He knew they couldn't do it on their own. He knows that we can't do it on our own. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. And I try to think of a good example for this. This is the best, best thing I've got for you this morning. We're going to picture that I am up at the state track meet, Okay. And I get thrown into one of those, is it called a four-by race with the baton? Is that what they are? Four-by something? Anybody know track? Russ? Okay, yes. It's a four-by race. I get thrown into a four-by race, okay? And so this girl, who's probably fast because she's at straight state track, she's running at me with a baton. And when she gets up to me to hand that baton off to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know you're exhausted, but you're, you just need to keep going because you're going to do way better than me. Anybody else? Would you be in that position? No? Am I the only non-runner in here today? Well, I'm going to show you what I'm, we've got a picture up here. See, that's what I think I look like when I run. This is, that's really me up there. That's me running. No, it's not me. If you ever see me running through the streets of Knoxville, just run because T-Rex is like coming after me. So just, you need to run, get out of the way. So if you feel incompetent to share Jesus with somebody, if you feel like you just can't do it, I want you to take a deep breath. Just everybody take a deep breath right now. We have all... Felt like that. Some of us feel that way all the time. Like we just can't do it. We just can't do it. But we are not alone. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit living within us. Um, Jesus had accomplished the work that he was sent to do. So he's, in a sense, passing a baton off to us, and we're supposed to take that baton and keep running this race, right? So when you get into a conversation with somebody and you start hearing, you think you hear something in your head that maybe you're supposed to say the way you're supposed to respond, or Maybe um, you're feeling prompted to do something in a situation. Maybe you're getting a prompting that you're supposed to pray for somebody. That could be the Holy Spirit moving within you. So pay attention to those kinds of things. Um, For months now, we've been talking about um, our mission here at Celebrate, which is gathering to go with the presence of Jesus. Gathering to go with the presence of Jesus, which is exactly what this passage shows us today. The disciples were gathering getting ready to go off and share Jesus with everybody that they came in contact with, and they were doing it with the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I'm curious how we are doing on this, how you're doing in this, how you feel. Um, We've got these three gifts available to us. Are we utilizing them? Are Are we stepping into them? So with peace, how are you when it comes to peace in your life? Do you feel peace? Have you ever felt the perfect peace of God? Have you ever prayed for it? I have had so many situations in my life. I've dealt with, you guys, a lot of you know this because I've talked about it up here before. have dealt with panic anxiety disorder. Um, So there have been many times where I literally feel in my body like, okay, there's no way peace is coming. It just can't happen. And I pray and it comes. Not once in my life ever has he not shown up. Not once. Um, So how about... When you go into situations, do you bring peace into situations? Do you bring peace into conversations with you? Or do you tend to bring chaos or conflict into situations? That's something to think about. How about purpose? Do you know why you're here? Do you struggle with that? Do you struggle with the idea that God might be sending you for his purpose? Um, I was actually in the prayer room this week, and I was reading a devotional that actually talked about the disciples. And, you know, if you're like me and you elevate them a lot and think, oh, well, I'm not not like that, this devotional actually talked about the guys. And I want to read to you what it says because I think sometimes we forget what this group of guys was like. So it says, they were an unconventional group of men, none of whom would have scored very high on a likability scale. They were rough around the edges and ranged from salt of the earth and smelly to downright sketchy. It goes on to say, they dropped everything and followed him. Why? Why? Especially guys like this. Why, why would they drop everything and follow Jesus? There was something about him. And what this devotional talked about was it was Jesus' words. There's something very unique about Jesus' words. It says, His words transcend circumstances and break down barriers, they light up dark corners, remove fear doubt, and self-preservation. And this is the part I really want you to hear. They take us from completely missing our purpose to seeing in neon that our only reason for being is to follow the one who spoke us into being. Our only reason for being alive, our only reason for being here on the earth is to follow the one who created us and spoke us into being. Until that's your purpose, you're gonna struggle to find your purpose. Um, It's not a long list of things to do, it's just follow Jesus. And this can look so different in different life stages. I don't want you to put all this pressure on yourself to make it look a certain way. I often think about moms of littles because I remember that stage of life when I had lots of kids that were little and I always felt like I can't do anymore, Lord. Like this is my purpose right now, These, these guys, raising them. So mamas, show your babies how to love Jesus. I wish somebody would have told me that, because I put so much pressure on myself, and I judged myself for not feeling like I wasn't doing enough, but I was teaching my babies how to love Jesus, and now I get to see the fruit of that. So whatever stage you're in, don't let this hang you up. Do what you can to follow Jesus and to love Jesus well. And the Bible tells us, he gives us everything we need, everything. Um, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Nothing is impossible with God. God says, My power is made perfect in weakness. God can use us. If you look through the different stories of the Bible, how many times are the people he's sending unqualified? How many times do those people doubt their purpose or their ability to do what God is calling them to do? It's a lot. It's a lot of the people in the Bible. Um, And then with power, how often do you ask for the Holy Spirit? to walk in your life? Before you go into meetings, before you pick up the phone, just to start your day, how often do you invite the Holy Spirit into your day? It's Pentecost Sunday today. We get to celebrate that the Holy Spirit descended on the early church. We get to celebrate that Jesus told his disciples, my father is going to send a helper for you. And then he did it. It came to be. And that's why we get to celebrate on Pentecost Sunday. When Jesus suffered and died, he literally gave us everything he could. He couldn't have given us any more than what he did. He went to the end for us because of his unconditional love for us. And then when he came back, when he rose from the dead, he gave us everything we need to keep going while he goes to heaven and prepares a place for us. So I want to invite up uh, the worship team. We have saved the bulk of our worship this morning for the end. And we did that very intentionally. Uh, when I was talking with Matt about this service and what, how it was going to end, I said, I don't know how else to end other to, than to look at Jesus. Just get all of our eyes focused on Jesus and how good he is. How worthy he is of our praise. How worthy he is of us giving just a little bit of extra time to him when we worship him. So I, I've talked about um, Jesus Calling before up appear. This is my favorite devotional. I know lots of you love it too. Um, I read it over and over again every year. What cracks me up about this devotional is every time I open it, it hits. Every time. And I don't know if that's the same way for you, but I just have to read to you a little bit of this morning's entry as we enter into worship, as we prepare to just turn our eyes fully to Jesus. So this is today, May 28th. This is written from Jesus' perspective, so hear this as Jesus' words this morning. Let me anoint you with my presence. I am King of kings and Lord of lords, dwelling in unapproachable light. When you draw near to me, I respond by coming closer to you. As my presence envelops you, you may feel overwhelmed by my power and glory. This is a form of worship, sensing your smallness in comparison to my greatness. So come, Lord Jesus. Would you come near to us? As we look to you, as we worship you, as we praise you, would you overwhelm us this morning with your glory and your power? We invite you in. God, help us to clear anything else that may have come in with us this morning and turn our eyes to just you. You are so worthy. And pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.